Hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not. And today is September something or other, the year of our Lord 2022. Today's show is brought to you by the hot dog stand. Because we had lunch there. I love the hot dog stand. Let's just say it. I love lamp. I love stapler. I love the hot dog stand. I also, uh, today's show is brought to you by the Celtic Cove Catholic Bookstore. Did I get every word in? No, I feel like I missed one. Did I say that well? Like that? Nice. Hard to remember. Name that's hard to remember, but easy to enjoy. And finally, our corporate sponsor, Heinz Ketchup. Okay, we, we, we actually, we have a shot at a sponsor. Right? Should we share this story? Yeah. Like, uh, now for our podcasts, we could make 20 billion pesos a year. It's about six bucks. Uh, no, we, we did have one. What? Oh, take the glasses off. That's right. I got my glasses back, and it's lovely. Yeah, because of the blue, um, my blue, blue eyes. Um, what were we talking about? Do you remember? Your corporate sponsor for your Yeah, it wasn't it like a Buddhist group or something that wanted to advertise on our show? Wouldn't that be a riot? Be like, just in case I'm wrong, check out Buddha. <laughs> I can't tell you. It's like, well, thanks for the offer, but do you watch the show? We're not big on Buddha. We think he's dead. All right. Now, for all my Buddhist friends listening to this, I don't have any Buddhist friends. Actually, I'm sure I do. Anyway, here we are today. Before we get into the questions and answers, we're going to talk a little bit about Padre Pio. And we're not going to try to cover everything about Padre Pio uh, because he had a long, beautiful life, and he is remarkable. Now... He's called Padre Pio. That's what they called him in Italian. Uh, his real name was Pius of Little Shibla, which is an Italian word for, I can't pronounce that city. Uh, but Pius in Latin and Pio in Italian are the same thing. It means duty, right? It's where we get the word piety or the pieta with our blessed mother uh, holding her son, her duty. Let's do Anyway, so here's the thing. If you know about Padre Pio, you know he was known for a lot of things, but one of the most important, arguably, would be his stigmata, right? That means he had the uh, bleeding wounds on his hands and feet and side, the marks of Jesus, and they were miraculous. They were miraculous for a few reasons, uh, but none are more important to me than this. The blood type. Okay? So the blood type was different than his blood type. And here we go. So the blood type on the Shroud of Turin, and I can never say this word, the Sidarium of Oviedo, right? That's the cloth that covered Jesus' faith for his burial. The 800-year-old blood that they have in Italy. Uh, and the six proven, or proven, what do you say, substantiated Eucharistic miracles over the past three decades, and Padre Pio, all were blood type AB+. Now, that's amazing in and of itself, right? But know this, only 3% of the world's population at any given time has that blood type. For it to, for it to occur independently and by chance in nine samples, the probability is one and over 50 trillion. How crazy is that? Right? Every Eucharistic miracle that we've got that the church said, yes, that is inexplicable or miraculous. The blood types AB plus, which is the rarest type. And you said that's yours? Mm -hmm. Nice. Do you donate blood or do you hate humans? No, I do. She hates humans. It's not as usable. It's not? Oh, sure, because who needs it? Right. It's not the universal donor one. Right. Oh. Okay, got you. Dad's is universal because unlike somebody, and I mean Gary, dad loves humans. <laughs> Especially with potatoes. I made a cannibalism joke. Because the Jeffrey Dahmer show started yesterday. Can I tell you a story? Yeah. Okay, so what we're talking about, folks, is yesterday, apparently, and I only know this because it was on the news, they're making a documentary about Jeffrey Dahmer. 
And the actor is apparently from here. Did you know this? He's a Grand Blank dude. No. Yeah. But what were you going to tell me? Uh, you know, we have a garden, our community garden. Yes. That the kids help. Yes. Plant and take care of. And we have many volunteers who work through the summer. Oh, yeah. And the food goes to outreach. See. The students went out today, harvested the potatoes. Oh, took them to the cafeteria, washed them, cut them up, and put them on for lunch today. Shut up. Yeah. Is that the best? That is so cool. That is the best. I love our kids. I, I did. Everyone heard that, right? It's a great story. But if you didn't, it's because of your sin. No offense. It's not my sin. It's yours. <laughs> so I'm not offended. Uh, I, what I thought I'd do is tell you a few of his miracles. And when we say, uh, so basically when the church looks at miracles, they have an extremely strident system by which they get to a conclusion of a miracle. And how do they do it? They use non-Catholics, uh, usually non-Christians, as part of that. Uh, and you've heard the phrase devil's advocate. That actually comes from church law. Um, and it's the part of the person who investigates the miracle and looks for any possible reason it could be explained beyond Supernatural. Does this make sense to you people? Yeah. So let's look at some of his miracles that passed that test. Okay. Uh, so the first one, in, in no particular order. In 1919, San Giovanni Rotondo, a 14-year-old boy, was ex uh, experienced a miraculous healing. When he was four years old, he contracted typhus, and the typhus caused his back to become deformed. Once he went to Padre Pio, he was going there for confession. The priest touched him with his hands, and when the boy stood up, he realized that his back was completely straight and the deformity was gone, and there was no scientific explanation they could find. Also in 1919, a gentleman from Foggia, Italy, came to Pio, and he was 62 years old and walking with two separate canes. He suffered a terrible fall from a carriage that broke both of his legs. The doctors were not able to help him rebuild his legs, so he had to rely on these two canes. He, uh, too, went to confession to Padre Pio, when all of a sudden afterward, he said, the friar looked at him and said, quote, stand up, leave. You can throw away your canes. And uh, he realized he could walk without his canes and without any pain. Uh, another dude whose left knee was swollen and in great pain. The doctors told him it was an infection. It was dire and that he needed a long series of injections. So before he started this process, which they assumed would culminate in his death, he went to confession and he just happened to go to Padre Pio. He asked Padre Pio to pray for him, quote, when I was leaving San Giovanni that afternoon, the pain completely disappeared. I looked at my knee and found it was not swollen anymore. Both of my legs were normal. I ran back into the church to thank Padre Pio, but he said, do not thank me, thank God. Isn't this cool? In 1950, a man's mother-in-law was taken to the hospital for an operation. She had breast cancer, and after the initial operation, it was necessary for them to operate on the right breast seven months later. But due to the cancer spreading all through her body, he told her, that we're sorry you're not going to live for four more months. Uh, the guy went immediately to Padre Pio and asked him, please help my wife's mom. And he said, quote, Padre Pio sighed long twice and said, we have to pray. Everyone has to pray. She will recover. It happened. In fact, my mother-in-law recovered after the operation and went on her own to see Padre Pio. He laughed and told her, quote, go in peace, daughter, go in peace. She lived 19 more years instead of the four months she was given. Uh, I don't know how many, I can give do a million of these. Is this enough? The last one's the coolest. You want me to read the last one? Okay. I mean, guys, seriously, there's a billion of these. Uh, but uh, Gamma de G or G or uh, Smith, 
<laughs> this is the one that just blows me. They all blow me away. But uh, she was a little girl when she visited Padre Pio. She was blind. She was born without pupils in her eyes. Okay. Uh, after her visit with Pio, she could see. And here's the cru truly crazy part. She never, uh, she still didn't have pupils, but she passed every vision test they offered her. Isn't that crazy? So we could go on and on, uh, but today is a special day. Oh, it must be September 21st, is it? No, 23rd? Huh, oh, I see why, sorry. Uh, he, uh, he died uh, at the age of 81 in 1968. Uh, he kept working despite being in pretty significant pain. Uh, the 21st was the 50th anniversary of him receiving the stigmata. And on the 22nd of 1968, September, he was supposed to pray mass, but he felt weak and asked if he could do a low mass. Uh, now, there were a ton of pilgrims there, and his superior kind of insisted, no, we need you to do the high mass. He uh, did pray mass, but everyone could see he was really weak and frail. Uh, he collapsed walking down the altar steps and had to be helped back to his room. It was the last time he celebrated Mass uh, that we know of. Early in the morning of 23rd of September, 1968, he made his confession and renewed his vows. Uh, he held his rosary in his hand, but he didn't have the strength to even pray the Hail Mary. He had nothing left in the tank. Uh, he kept saying over and over, Jesus and Mary, Jesus and Mary. At 2.30 a.m., he cried out, I see my two mothers. And we assume he meant our Blessed Mother uh, and his mom. And at 2.30, he cried out, Maria, Ave Maria, and he died. Uh, so bless his beautiful heart. His body was buried in the crypt at the Church of Our Lady of Grace. His mass, his funeral mass, his requiem, 100,000 people came. Uh, he had often said, quote, after my death, I will do more. My real mission begins after my death. Uh, yeah, crazy stuff. So you can uh, see his blood. They, as you can imagine, with the dripping stigmata hands, they captured a lot of his blood, and a defining trait of it is a sweet smell. And that's another one of these non-describable, non-explicable. Because uh, if you smell a lot of blood, and I have, it smells like copper, I think. It's got a real coppery smell. But So Padre Pio, huh? Good stuff. Yes. And guys, I didn't even tell you a fraction of his life. You know, the church shut him down twice. Uh, priests were always nasty to him, particularly uh, Rome. And when they, when the Pope finally lifted, like he couldn't preach or pray mass in public or hear confessions or pray with people for years. Uh, the Pope said um, he apologized to Padre Pio and said, I was misinformed about you. Um, yeah, Vatican did a ton of investigations of him. Um, but, okay. Uh, I'm gonna take all that out. Oh, yeah, yeah, might as well, it's a ton of writing. Okay, so one of the things I was asked about by a few of you is that apparently on TikTok, and someone sent me some of it, uh, there's a video that's huge of some woman giving five reasons why she's an atheist, and I really don't care. But uh, the big one was she talked about how the Bible was uh, put together at the Council of Nicaea and how, you know, how could that be real if they waited so long and that Constantine was in charge? And people were like, is this true? Oh my gosh, uh, no, oh, not even remotely. Uh, they didn't discuss the Bible at Nicaea in 325. The Council of Nicaea in 325, which she keeps saying, she knows the council, Nicaea in 325 uh, was about the divinity of Jesus and humanity of Jesus. That's what they were trying to figure out. And that's where we get this thing called the Nicene Creed. The Bible never came up. Not once. 
Uh, so not sure. I think this is what happens when you get your history from Dan Brown, uh, who writes fiction. And people, oh, Constantine ran it. No, Constantine came in and laughed. He, he just, he wasn't even a Christian yet. Uh, so, oh, Jesus loved them. Hey, look, if you don't want to believe, don't believe. I, I, in a sense, I don't care. Uh, but don't be stupid about it. You know. I mean, this is ultimately about whether God is real or not. And if he's real and you don't believe, things are going to theoretically be bad for you for a very long time post-mortem. So you might want to make sure you know. You know, I, I know that sounds funny, but it, I get it if you just don't want to believe. But don't not believe because of something s- stupid. Can I say that? Like, because here's the thing. The records, it's not like they're gone. We have all our notes from Nicaea. They are publicly available. Uh, Wikipedia has them. Uh, Everybody's got them. It's not like they're secret notes. And the Bible never comes up. Not once. But there she is. Well, this is the council where this bishop, who wasn't born yet, oops, uh, decided that we were going to use this guy. She's just got it all wrong. Jesus loved her. But please remember, passion doesn't equal truth, right? We've got a lot of passionate people who are dumb. I'm passionate about things that I'm dumb about. What can I say, right? Uh, I love baseball, but I'm terrible at it. And, uh, yeah. Is that okay to say you made a face? Yeah. I shouldn't say dumb. Yeah. Uh, no, okay, ignorant, right? Like ignorant, I mean, just because I'm ignorant on a ton of things. Sure. And ignorant just means you don't know. You lack knowledge. I lack knowledge on more things than I don't. But I think I try to know that, right? Uh, what was another one that was really this? And I, I again, I, I don't know if this is helpful to people. Well, I don't believe in God because bad things happen to good people, right? If God is all good and God is all powerful, why do bad things happen to good people? Now, there can you can have a fine philosophical discussion about that, but I don't know what that has to do with believing in God, right? People, I don't believe in God because this terrible thing happened. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. But how's that connected to believing in God? Well, I don't know why he allowed this to happen. Well, me either. That's why he's God and I ain't. Right? My dog doesn't understand why I keep trying to stop him from eating from the garbage. But he threw up three times yesterday. So I think I'm right. He shouldn't eat from the garbage. Uh, Now, he can't figure it out. And that's okay. It's my job to figure it out for him. Dude, don't do that. And I'm not equating man to the dog and me to God. The gap between me and the dog is much smaller than the gap between me and God. Um... Anyway, feel a little saucy about it because it was funny that she had like a million likes. And I'm like, it's so easy to look her up and go, well, no, she's really wrong. And bless her heart. Don't believe in God if you don't want to. Again, in a sense, I don't care. I care about you going to heaven. I would love that. And I don't know if not believing in God means hell. I have no idea God's in charge. Joe isn't. What I do know is don't not believe because of something that isn't true, right? The guys say, well, I'd be Catholic except you worship Mary. Oh, then you're Catholic because we don't worship Mary. About three minutes of reading, I'll show you. You know, I think because information has become so easy for us to get, we are contemptuous of it. We have become intellectually lazy. Uh, And it's a problem. It's a problem. And I blame Carrie. Rightfully so. I did think I should tell you why in today's gospel did Jesus, quote, rebuke Peter, right? Jesus said to the disciples, you know this story, who do people say that I am? And they replied, well, some say you're John the Baptist, others Elijah, others one of the prophets. One of them said, no, I'm just kidding. I was going to make a joke. I was. And Jesus said, who do you say I am? And in today's gospel, because there's two accounts of this and they're different. They're all the same up to this point where Peter says, you are the Christ, the anointed one of God. And it said, Jesus rebuked him and told him not to tell anybody. And then said, "Uh, the son of man must suffer greatly 
and be handed over to the chief scribes, the elders of the people, and be killed and on the third day rise. In the other account, everything's the same up to what Peter says. Peter in that one doesn't just say you're the anointed one. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of John. Okay. So why the two stories? A, they could be accounting two things, right? Could be accounting two different conversations. Jesus was not above trying to push you to understand what he wanted you to understand. In this one, why would he rebuke him and then tell him he's going to die? Well, because Christ, the way we use it, was not the way they used it. For them, the Christ, it, it literally just means, excuse the phrase, the anointed one. And this was a person who was going to liberate them from Rome. Okay, in this case. And that's why he rebuked them. I'm not here to politically free you. And he even then explains to them how he's going to show his power. How? Not by crushing Romans, but by dying. Uh, so I hope that helps. <laughs> Father Joe, I have an important question. I have an important answer. Uh, my four-year-old son frequently complains that his shoes and socks are uncomfortable if they are not exactly right. Is this a question for me? Okay, keep going. At these times, if I tell him to offer it up and that this is the beginning of martyrdom, will I earn more time in purgatory or will I earn Jesus points? First of all, I'm awarding you Jesus points just for the question because this is freaking awesome. Uh, yeah, I think you got to tell him to offer because otherwise he might end up like me. You saw my spice drawer. Yep. Was that you who texted back and were like, you need help? No. No. I just organized the spice drawer because they weren't in alphabetical order. And we're not barbarians here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, your son, he could be heading down a dark path. He might end up being a priest in the Diocese of Lansing and signed a holy family. I like that. That's a great question. Oh, I don't know if the streakers are watching. And by that, yeah, I mean the people. Okay. Because uh, I know that's so awkward. And then, of course, there's always the possibility because I write them and they write me. And I think it could be strikers, right? It could be strikers. But it looks like streakers. <laughs> Do you know that one about the priest praying mass? That he was a very old priest. And suddenly the streaker starts running through church. And the priest stops mass. He's like, young man, young man, we walk in church. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you guys are so kind and generous. Uh, they just, I don't, and I thank you. They just keep sending us gifts. And I want to be clear. I'm not going to say no to gifts. It's streakers. It is streakers. It is streakers. And how many fights did your husband get into between fifth grade and senior, because there had to be a million. With the last name like Streakers, you know what I mean? It's, there had to be some fighting. Uh, it's like the boy named Sue thing. Remember that? Was that Johnny Cash? Yeah. 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 Um, so thank you. My gosh. And I was going to put on our new shirt today, but to be honest, I got here a little bit last minute. Just enough time to wolf down a couple hot dogs. Brought to you by the hot dog stand in Grand Blank. It's better than anywhere. Um, so I need to confess to you, though, that you sent two boxes, little ones, one for Dad, one for me. And Dad says thank you for the candy you gave me with his name on it. Marius found them. And we could not find the boxes. And I thought that little snot ate the boxes and the chocolate. We found both boxes now. Just And these boxes are covered with his frustration and his inability to get at the delectable delights within. That's a true story. We just found the second one this morning underneath a chair by dad. Marius is the devil. He was prophesied in Revelations. <laughs> okay, I have an important... Oh, I already did that. Okay, Father Joe. Yes? I have seen news about Cardinal Zen. People are saying the Vatican is abandoning him after his efforts to support democratic protest in China. What is the deal of the Vatican in China? Um, this one's tough. 
uh, in China, our number one trading partner and debt owner, yeah, mm -hmm. Roman Catholicism is illegal. The kind of illegal where they kill you. And it is literally true that when they execute Catholics for being Catholic, they cremate them and spread their ashes because they know we hate it. Do you know this? And do you know they bill your family for the bullet? Whoa. Right? They shoot you in the head or wherever, and then they bill your family for the bullet. Right? Uh, welcome to communism. <laughs> it's the system where like everybody's equal uh, and it's worked like every time it's been tried because uh, it's true that's the key point of communism you have to kill a lot of people so that everybody doesn't starve to death it's a great system so the Vatican under Pope Francis made some kind of deal with China I don't understand it in its entirety but here is the key point of contention between the Vatican and Beijing right is Beijing the capital or Shanghai Beijing right okay the Vatican wants to name the cardinals like they do I don't know everywhere else China says, no, we have to approve them or name them. Now, China has its own version of Catholicism, a state-sponsored Catholic church. And this is going to shock you guys. But that state-sponsored Catholic church in China is very supportive of the government. So for you guys who keep typing, you know, for all the people who are like, separation of church and state, whenever the church has an opinion on politics, no, 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 that thing is what Francis, uh, Thomas Jefferson was talking about. Not church people having an opinion, but when the state says, we're in charge of this church, that's what he meant. Or when the church says, we're in charge of this state. Uh, uh, uh. It doesn't mean you can't have an opinion. That is such a weird thing. Where does this come from? It's new. So this has been the point of contention. And so if I understand right, if Francis kind of agreed-ish to let the church, or the state that kills Christians uh, decide who will lead the church <laughs> filled with the people they aren't killing. Um, and as a result, China was supposed to promise to stop killing Catholics, which they did not stop doing. Uh, they just added Muslims to the list, uh, right? They're killing the, is it Uyghurs? Uyghurs, right? They are sterilizing and killing Muslims by the thousands. Um, it's a wreck, guys. And so the Chinese cardinal there of the underground church, Cardinal Zen, uh, protested what the Vatican was doing. And I don't know what to make of any of it. To some extent, you got to feel bad for Francis. If he ticks off that state, they kill everyone. Right? And there's no repercussions. Ask Taiwan. Uh, so I don't know what to make of it all. And I'll be honest, I, I lost a friend to that church. One of my classmates was executed by the state there, uh, a priest. Um, they told him he can't do another Eucharistic procession. One more and we execute you. Next day he did one. Love that kid. I hope I get to see him in heaven. Um, so I don't know what to make of that. I trust boots on the ground more than superiors to some extent. And so if the boots on the ground guy says he shouldn't have done this, then we probably shouldn't have. You can't count on them to keep their word. They're a totalitarian government. They have no one they answer to. Uh, and I remember when I was a younger man, you remember the Tiananmen Square protest? Mm -hmm. And I've looked for the audio of this because who knows if what I remember is accurate. But, you know, China cleaned all that up. But how many people died is a major point of contention because the Chinese government says, oh, not that many, said the country with 1.3 billion people. Uh, but I distinctly remember an American reporter was there who kept yelling, oh my God, the bodies are everywhere. Um, yeah, and we're just dumping all our money into them. And l Americans are losing their jobs because the slaves in China can make it cheaper. Um, and we just keep doing that. Um, but, okay, um, sorry.
I'm a little, I think I can be unreasonable about China. I do. Uh, but I also think we're not unreasonable enough. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Father Joe, I, and Carrie, do you see this? This says, and Carrie. So you have to answer this. <laughs> no. I have some questions for Friday's show. Oh my gosh, this is Friday. Guys, I'm feeling saucy today. You know what I mean? There's a sauce commercial. <sighs> Today's sauciness is brought to you by Heinz. Send us a check. <laughs> Would you be able to explain the reason for religious orders and what the differences are between them? No. <clears throat> Yeah, I will. Hold on. At our church, we have had multiple seminarians, priests, and deacons come to help out. I noticed that some of them wore clerical collars. Is there some way to tell who is ordained a priest by their vestments? And at one point, can someone wear a clerical collar? As always, thanks for all you do. You're welcome. Okay. Why are there... What's up? You saw some? Oh, uh, why are there different religious orders? Well, the church... Uh, and I feel like... I think you and I are going to see, uh, well, we are seeing an explosion of new religious orders, right? Uh, in my lifetime, I can think of 10 that have popped up. That's a lot. The church doesn't usually let religious orders happen. So let's do this first to establish what we're talking about. I think I'm right when I say this. When you meet a priest, a Roman Catholic priest, you are either meeting a diocesan priest or a religious priest. Let's talk about diocesan for a second, because that's probably what you meet the most of, depending on where you are geographically. A diocesan priest is tied to a geographical region. So me, it's the Diocese of Lansing. I will always be assigned to parishes and institutions, especially mental ones, inside the Diocese of Lansing. Did anyone find that funny? So uh, whoever is our bishop, which in this case is Uncle Earl, uh, I obey him. I promise to obey him and his successors, respect and obey. And two, I promise to be celibate, right? Or at least that's what my wife keeps telling me. No, that joke's never getting old. Do you know what I mean? Like you guys might hear it and think, yeah, whatever, fat boy. I still think that joke is funny. And I've said it a million times. Uh, so I do not take a vow of poverty. Um, that means I can own things like screaming goats. Uh, yeah, so that's it. But now let's jump over to religion. Oh, and what is my ministry? It's whatever the bishop tells me it is. Uh, sometimes it's been parish work. Sometimes it's been university work. Sometimes it's been high school work. Sometimes... It's been, I was going to try to say something funny, but nothing's coming. Isn't that, isn't that a riot? Um, now you get to religious orders. So what are they? The religious orders are not tied to geography as a general rule. They are tied to a charism or a mission. So um, Francis of Assisi, probably the most famous. They're certainly, which is ironic. Do you know they're the wealthiest religious order in the world? which you could just see Francis going, really? Um, but Francis was a guy, not a priest, who uh, felt a special call from the Lord to live in a state of chosen abject poverty, right? Mom and dad were rich, which meant he was rich. Um, but he chose to live as poor as he possibly could, to beg for his food every night, literally. Uh, no planning, no nothing in terms of meals, and to devote his life to teaching people about Jesus. Um, and men started to gather around him. And then women started to gather around Claire, who was doing, who was one of his dear friends, who was doing the same thing for women. And from that came the Franciscans, who have a ministry to the poor and to live poor, which again, that can be funny. Uh, Dominicans, if you meet a priest who's a Dominican, his charism is to teach. 
So he's going to be teaching. If you meet a Jesuit, no, let's skip that. Um, so any religious order priest you meet, like my favorite are the Oblates of St. Francis de Sales. Now there's a ton of religious religious priests that are start with the Oblates of, okay? Uh, in this case, it is the Oblates of St. Francis de Sales, O-S-F-S, like Jeff Rose. Remember you met Jeff. So what is their charism? Uh, the education of the young, and uh, ministry to the deaf community. So every priest in that order, to my knowledge, knows sign language and can pray mass in sign. And every priest in that order, theoretically, is somehow connected to a ministry to the young. And as a group, they're committed to the spirituality of St. Francis de Sales. Um, so is this, how am I doing? Yeah. Okay, great. Now, how do you tell them apart? Jesuits wear black robes, Franciscans wear brown robes, Dominicans wear white robes, um, and they tend to have, I think I'm right, all three of them and some others, tend to wear a, a, a belt around their cassocks that has three knots, poverty, chastity, and obedience. Okay, So priests do two promises, obedience and chastity. Religious priests have three vows, uh, come Holy Spirit, uh, poverty, chastity, and obedience. We doing good? Mm -hmm. And religious priests are defined by the ministry, not the geography, in terms of what they do. Diocesan priests, it's more defined by geography and need. Now, for those religious priests, some of them do some vows better than the others. Like you'll meet Franciscans who are dirt poor and you'll meet Franciscans who drive really, really nice cars. How does that work? I don't know. Just like diocesan priests. There are diocesan priests who shouldn't be serving in any parish ever anywhere, but they do. Um, it's just how it goes. Once a priest is ordained, tragically, one of the most difficult things is for a bishop to remove that priest. Right? And it's the same with religious. Okay. Now, if you give me a hundred bucks, and please do, no, I don't need money, don't. Um, I can put that in my pocket. I can give it away. I can buy hot dogs. It's my money. Yeah? Now, if you give that hundred dollars to Father Jeff, who is a religious priest, he will not keep it. Like, if you say to him, I want you to buy you something, and I mean it, right? He will. He is an honorable man. But make no mistake, he's going to go tell his brothers for accountability purposes because he doesn't want to own anything, right? Jeff has a car, but it's not technically his car. It's their car. All their money goes into a communal pot and is distributed by need. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So did that answer your question? And in terms of, we'll get to the collar thing. Um, so I'm, they keep, in my opinion, if my perception is accurate, they seem to keep changing the clerics thing. And I'll be honest, it, it wigs me out a little. When I was in seminary, you didn't put on clerics until you were a deacon. Um, then they started saying, well, a seminarian can put on clerics when he go goes through the rite of candidacy. And now I'm hearing there's priests or seminarians who are wearing them as soon as they enter seminary. And I do find that confusing for God's people. Um, some, de and I think our bishop has said deacons can wear clerics, but again, I find that confusing for God's people. Uh, but nobody cares what I think, and rightly so. Um, if God wanted my opinion to count, right, he'd put me in a position where my opinion counted, and I really believe that. So, uh, and how do you ascertain it? You can ask, right? When I was a deacon, people would ask me, because I'd be wearing my clerics, will you hear my confession, right? Which a deacon can't do. And I'd always say, sure. I can't give you absolution, and I don't have to keep it a secret, but I'll hear, you know. Um, you know, if you just ask them, you know, uh, you know, if you say, Father, 
That's your safest bet. Because if they're a deacon, or if they're a seminarian, they'll correct you. Oh, no, I'm just a seminarian. If they're a deacon, they might not. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And is there any way to tell? No. Okay. I think I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How are we? Are people happy? Yeah. Okay. No. I mean, Sister Teresa's pretty sassy today. I love Sister Teresa so much. <laughs> Sister Teresa, I love you. Oh, hey, there's a perfect example, if I may. She's a woman's religious. So you may remember she wore a habit. She wore a distinct habit. And you remember it was brown because she's what? It was gray. Oh. Oh, sis, you're right. I'm sorry. I was thinking of something else. She believes that Franciscans are the only ones to who wear a cord. Okay, that's helpful. Uh, thank you, sis. Um, so the cord is a, a cincture. For men, it's called a cincture. Do they, does she know if they call it that? But it's a rope belt with three knots. Uh, poverty, chastity, obedience. And Sister Teresa's, I don't know if you noticed, it had four knots. Because the fourth knot is dealing with her bad attitude. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, sis! Don't you wish she would move here? <laughs> Don't you? Yes. Why don't you move here? Which one? The Sisters of St. Joseph. Okay. Yeah, the Sisters of St. Joseph. Those those chicks educated you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, they tried. Right, they tried. Yeah, it turns out dab was a word they call recalcitrant, <laughs> um, which is Latin for pure evil. Didn't one of the nuns, like one time you were walking into class and just yelled, get out? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I never, be, got, never got in the door. Because yeah. <laughs> I went into the a doctor today, and they were like, "Oh, how's your dad? Where's dad?" And I'm like, "I'm standing right here." <laughs> like everybody loves dad. Cause he's just the best human ever, right? But every once in a while, I'll hear a story about when dad was young, and I'm like, "I have hope for me." <laughs> Okay, are only, uh, why are only Catholics allowed to participate in the Eucharist at Mass? Uh, this is a great question. Um, we've tackled it before, and for those of you who don't, I'm going to try to go with the same type of answer I gave last time because people told me this really helped. Okay, there's a couple reasons. One of them is utterly practical, and one of them is deeply theological. What we believe is that uh, when we celebrate the Eucharist at Mass, we are entering the Last Supper. Okay, we're not reenacting it. We Catholics and Orthodox believe this and Anglicans believe this. And I think that's it, but don't quote me. Okay. And some Anglicans believe it. Sorry, some don't. Uh, we are entering the Last Supper, not, part, not reenacting it, not remembering it. And that Jesus changes that host so that its physical appearance is the same, but the invisible reality that makes it the Eucharist fundamentally changes and it becomes the flesh of God. Okay. We say uh, body and blood, soul and divinity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we keep in mind, um, a few things. St. Paul, for example, said, he who eats the flesh and drinks the blood without consideration eats and drinks their condemnation. Like we believe you need to be on the same page as us to receive it because it's not our page, it's God's page. And if you come forward and say, yeah, that's a symbol and you're wrong, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean you're less than us. It doesn't mean uh, you're going to hell. Uh, it, it simply means we believe something very different than you about what this is. And if we're right and you receiving it, you receive it not believing we're right, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, and we can get into that a little more if you ever want. Uh, but the second thing is, and I want to be clear, most of you listening would never do this, okay? I want to be, I totally get that. But every funeral now, and every wedding, <laughs> we have to have people who are standing to the side watching. Because this host, which to us Roman Catholics is the most sacred thing, 
people just take and put it in their pocket. We find them thrown on the floor, stuffed in books. They don't know what it is. Um, and so they unintentionally desecrate something very holy. I tell people whom I know this, if you go to a sacred ceremony and everyone around you seems to know what to do and you don't, then you probably shouldn't receive with them whatever they're distributing. Yeah, right. Like that seems common sense to me. If you stood there the whole mass and heard everyone out of you and with your spirit and what, what are you people saying? Yeah, you should stay away from the Eucharist. Um, yeah, I hope that helps. That's a short, sorry, one of my hairs from my beard is in my mouth. Would you like to hear all about it? No. Are you sure? I offer this gift freely. Would you like to see it? I do. You do? <laughs> Hello, Father Joe. Hi. Uh, I have a question about tattoos. Is a tattoo a sin in God's, God's eyes? I hope not. I visited the Holy Land. <laughs> Let me just say this. Oops. No. Uh, I visited the Holy Land and got a tattoo, the cross and the year of visiting. I read Leviticus 19.28, you shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. What does the church consider it? Thank you. Okay, tattoos were actually a fairly helpful way for the church to, to for a person to prove to the church they had pilgrimaged. In a day and age when most of Europe was illiterate, uh, people who would pilgrimage to the Holy Land would get tattoos, small marks on their body that were permanent and unchangeable so that when they got home, they could prove, yes, I pilgrimaged. Um, tattoos, to my knowledge, are not forbidden. Uh, now, if, if you're under the authority of your parents and your parents say no, then absolutely they're forbidden. Otherwise, you're violating the fourth commandment. I want to be clear about that. And I also want to be clear, and some of you might hate me for this. If you're living at home, you are under your parents' authority. Well, I'm 28. You're under your parents' authority. Why? You need them, clearly. Yeah, and there's no shame in that at all. But it does drive me crazy that we want all the good symptoms of being an adult and none of the hard ones. That seems pretty train wrecky to me. Yeah, but because I get that a lot and it breaks my heart with a mom and dad who will write me. I haven't had this question in a while, but I used to get it all the time. My daughter came home from college with her boyfriend and insists on they, that they sleep in the same room. <laughs> she can insist all she wants. Do you have guns and ammo? Uh, it's your house. And if they're dependent on you, they darn well better respect that. Right? Um, you get me? Like... Holy cat, I can't imagine, Dad, when I was in college. Dad, I'm bringing my girlfriend home and we're sleeping together in your house. Oh, that's great, son. I'll just kill you in the driveway. <laughs> uh, the passage from Leviticus, huh? Okay, go ahead. Oh, the passage from Leviticus uh, refers to uh, Canaanite rites where they quite literally, the Bible is very clear about this, cut and slashed themselves. They cut themselves uh, as part of their religious fervor. Right. Um, yeah, I do not. Now, uh, again, there will be people who tell you it's a sin. OK, as far as I can tell, it is not. Other priests disagree with me, but they're wrong. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, I think they're wrong, but you want to be careful of what you put on there. This is what would you put in a temple? That's the rule. Because uh, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and that which is on your body now will be on your body in heaven. You want to be super conscious of that. And make no mistake, there's stuff God can't let into heaven. You know? I saw someone put a lion's tattoo on, and I'm like, why would you do that? For 800 reasons. I mean, I love the lions, but oh my God. Oh, I got a Spartan tattoo. Really? Isn't that weird? Okay, where am I? Up, that's down. Go what? Up. Up, 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 up. Father Joe, I have a question. See? I've gotten the habit of praying the rosary daily. Nicely done. When I get to the glorious mystery, under the first mystery, the resurrection, my reading material says, quote, Jesus, having descended into hell to free the righteous, rises on the third day. Can you shed some light 
about the descends into hell to free the righteous. What righteous are in hell? Yeah, groovy, no problem. Um, we use the word hell in a very specific way. Uh, when we say hell, 21st century? Yeah, uh, America, we're talking about the place with demons, with the devil, and with the souls of the damned. That line wasn't real clear to people before this. Uh, and you'll see an interchanging of the words hell, Hades, Sheol, uh, even purgatory. It's this whole idea. Boy, this is, no, just stay focused. So it tells us in 1 Peter that when Jesus died, he descended into Sheol to preach to the souls there and to lead them out. You may remember, we just talked about this a couple weeks ago, that before Jesus, our belief is that the dead all went to Sheol. It was a place that wasn't good and it wasn't bad. It just is that people there are in a deep sleep, right? Heaven isn't opened yet for humans. The only way heaven got open for humans was when the first human walked through it, namely Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's why Jesus had to be fully God and fully human so that he could enter heaven and pave the way for us, much like Lomas Brown blocking for Barry Sanders. Yeah, Jesus is Lomas Brown. We're Barry Sanders. Um, also defensive. Yeah, yeah, that's an offensive uh, joke. Get it? Get it? <laughs> Carrie, did you get it? <laughs> you don't think this is funny at all. <laughs> Carrie's working on something. Uh, so, sorry guys, think, uh, does that make sense? What I've said so far, namely, that Jesus went to Sheol. They just used the word hell because that's the kind of, that's the way they described it before we settled into our modern way of talking. He went into Sheol and preached to all the souls there, it says in scripture, and then he took those who wanted to come with him, with him. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Hannah, Ruth, uh, Judith. I mean, you know, you could do this all day. All these beautiful people who longed for the Messiah, they finally got to see him. So just know that they're using the word hell interchangeably for Sheol. They don't intend you to see a place of demons and devils and uh, condemned souls. Okay? Now, I think this is right. Once Jesus did that, hell became what we call it. Hell is what we call it. Okay. There's no more Sheol as far as we know. Okay. Father. Whew. Wow. Today is hellos to people. I just saw this. We have people from Williamston, Michigan, which I have a cabin there. Minnesota, England, Flint, Charlevoix, and Meyer Grocery Isle. What are you getting? And why aren't they ho-hos? <laughs> Did I tell you about this? When you're, whenever, you're, whenever I'm in my clerics in the grocery store that people stop and, and they pretend they want to talk to me, and sometimes they do, but what they really want to do is see what's in the cart. Yeah. It's hysterical because it's like this. It's like, hey, Father, what's going on? How are you? And they're looking and they're like, I don't know what you think you're going to find. It's the mystery. It's like a kid seeing a teacher in the store. It is funny, though. I mean, years ago, I always said Coke and ho-hos. You know, what do you want? <laughs> something ex and pot pies. I do love pot pies. I used to buy them all the time. Marie Calendar pot pies. <laughs> Question about forgiveness of sins. Other denominations say that when Jesus died on the cross, he forgives he forgave our he forgives our past present and future sin so why does the catholic church say we have to go to confession and does that mean that when someone keeps doing the same sin over and over again they are forgiven uh okay let's take this a step at a time i think a good way to think about it is this seriously i have in my truck right now four lottery tickets do you know this Two of them have been in there for three months and I keep forgetting to check them. So I may be rich. And if so, I'm out. <laughs> you know, because the huge money I make from this podcast. Um. Now, I will make huge money if Heinz ever gets on board. Let's right. just get that out there. Right. They just need to catch up on my theory. Wow. Yeah, was that pretty good? 
<laughs> okay, so, so truly, it's kind of funny. They've sat in the little visor of my truck for months. Whenever I went to Minnesota, because that's the thing, I can't just go scan them. I got to go look it up, and I lack ambition. And then I have two that I bought this week. Uh, so they sit in there. Now let's pretend the one I bought a month ago was a winner. What good is it doing me right now? Yeah, nothing. It's a winning ticket, but it means nothing until I take that ticket and bring it to the appropriate authorities. Forgiveness is like that. Jesus, for, all our sins are put to death on the cross, but we have to claim it for it to work. We're free will creatures. Okay. Um, now, so that's the thing about why do I have to go again, right? Why? Because you did it again. Is it forgiven? Yeah, but you got to claim it. Jesus, I ask forgiveness for that. Here's my ticket. It's your blood, right? Did that work or no? Okay. Now, why do uh, other denominations say, you don't have to go to a priest to have your confession. Because that's what their pastor told them. And that's what that pastor told them. But historically, it's not an arguable principle. And that's a fact. Uh, forgive me for my candor. That this concept of we go to a priest to receive the forgiveness of Jesus was unquestioned in Christianity for 1,500 years. Uh, why? That, well, A, because that's what Jesus showed us. Well, why, how can you say that so confidently? Because it's what Christians did right from the beginning. Why? I don't know. I mean, I can tell you some of the reasons. At least one of them is the whole idea of, well, I just go to my room and ask God's forgiveness. Well, you've left out, I don't know, everybody. You've left out all the people affected by your sin. When we pretend sin is just about me and God, we, we've really messed up. Um, ours is a communal faith because we are communal people. And the priest is in that confessional, not just on behalf of Jesus, but on behalf of you. It's a recognition that my sins have a powerful impact around me. Yeah? What? Is it the time? Sorry. No, no. I'm going I'm to put it. So I'll okay. put it in here. It's a recognition. And also, it meets us in our human nature. Namely, um, as humans, we know we can deceive ourselves. We know that. And there is such a relief to hearing someone who works for Jesus to say, Oh, yeah, what you hope is true. Jesus Christ forgives you, right? Jesus Christ forgives you. Um, now, to be clear, the church considers the sacrament of confession something a Catholic should do twice a year, minimum. Uh, a lot of people say you should do it once a month. Why? Keeps your conscience sharp, frankly. Um, and uh, it's good for the grace, you know, uh, so I hope, oh, are we having troubles with our connection? I'm so sorry, folks. We've had trouble with our internet today. No, it's just YouTube. Oh, it's YouTube. Okay. Um, so that's it. I think, I think I've answered that. Uh, okay. Follow up question on receiving the Eucharist and that's Catholics in the church. Correct. I 100% believe it is the body and blood of Jesus. But doesn't everybody deserve to receive the Eucharist? No one deserves to receive the Eucharist, right? I don't deserve to confect the Eucharist. I don't know what proper term is. You and I don't. We have no right to the Eucharist. The Eucharist is a gift that God gives us, yeah? And again, what the church is saying is... When you step up, okay, so Carrie and I are in line, and Carrie's Catholic, and I'm not, okay? So Carrie gets up there, and the priest says, the body of Christ, right? He's asking, and he's stating, and she says, amen. Yes, it is. 
right? Now I step up and he says the same words, the body of Christ. And I say the same words Carrie did, amen. But I don't believe it. I just lied. And, and, and hear me out, to some extent, committed a blasphemy, right? Remember just today's gospel. Who do you say that I am? Carrie's saying Jesus. I'm thinking bread and saying Jesus. Do, do you get it? Like, and again, I don't police it. I do not. That's not my job. I don't think it's right. I don't know what I don't know. And we just ran into this member, that wonderful person who had a priest. Are you Catholic? And they were so thrown off by the question. They were like, uh, uh, yeah, but it was too late. God, I'm giving you a blessing. That guy, <laughs> don't do that. And if there were any priest that ever watched this show, I'd tell them, don't do that. Uh, Jesus doesn't need your protection. This is more about protecting the other, right? The receiver. Because if it's the body of Christ... And you say amen and lie and then take it in, believing it's something different. That's not good for you. As St. Paul said, he who eats the body and drinks the blood without consideration eats and drinks their condemnation. Yeah, I hope that helps. Okay. Uh, yeah, time to go. Okay. Well, guys, sorry for those of you having trouble with our YouTube feed. And if I may encourage you, for those of you who haven't checked this out on podcast, I'm asking you to, if you would. We are, um, apparently that seems to be where we're gaining the most ground. Uh, no? Yeah, I think it's, it's even. across the board. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but thank you, guys. And thanks for your questions. And I hope I was helpful today. And if I wasn't, it really is Carrie's fault. Let's just pray for her conversion. She doesn't go to confession. That's, That's okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, a big thank you, by the way. I want to send Bishop Earl some of the beautiful things people said about him yesterday. Because, again, I don't know if you he doesn't know. He's used to how amazing he is. And I don't think he gets what a treasure he is to us. I really don't. Um, he is a good man. Um, yeah. Praise the Lord. Uh Oh, this one I don't need to answer, right? I can see somebody, Kathy Medich, answered it. Yes. Is that right? Yeah, thanks, Kath. Love you. Uh, okay, so uh, we want to make sure and pray for Sister Teresa and the whole Canadian Atlantic region. Uh, there is a hurricane named Fiona headed your way. Hey, at least if disaster strikes, it was a cool name. No? <laughs> I mean, bad news, we lost the convent. Good news, it was Fiona. <laughs> Uh, Carrie, you shouldn't joke about these things. So all kidding aside, sis, we love you very much. And we are going to pray that Jesus protect, obviously, Halifax, which already took, you know, you remember that whole story about the horrors. They, uh, oh, Jesus bless Halifax. Okay, so uh, next week, I think we rack up, rack up, we wrap up Jacob. Yes. No, we already wrapped up Jacob, didn't we? No, yeah, we wrapped up. I mean, kind of. Uh, yeah, you, I think you have parting comments. Okay, yeah, we'll do a little bit more wrap up on Jacob. He's dead. He doesn't care. He was already wrapped up. Do you know how they did burials back then? You know, they would wrap their body up and put them, like, in a cave. And then you wait enough years where there's nothing really left but bones. And then you smash the bones into dust and you bury the da ash, the, the dust. Mm. Land is so precious. Yeah, crazy stuff. Dad's bringing up post hole diggers for dead animals. Salad pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you for these beautiful minds and hearts that just want to know. And Lord, Thank you for anything I got right. And please forgive me for anything I got wrong. And, and please undo the, the damage of my ignorance. We ask for you to very bless in a very special way the whole Canada Atlantic region and protect them from this hurricane. Lord, keep all your children safe there. And Lord, help 
us to help each other, that in times of crisis, we're not just worried about us, but worried about how to help each other. Heavenly Father, you also see, like in the, in the state of Michigan, a lot of us are very worried about Proposal 3, and we ask that if it be your will, it be defeated, and that all of us stand for the dignity of every human. And keep us from all these diversion tactics, Lord, to focus on the only question that matters. Is this a human? If not, who decides when it is and, and what is the reasoning behind it? And Father, you, you know all of the people we love very much and, and we worry about them. And you are aware of all the circumstances in our life that cause us to fret. Well, we give all of it to you, Lord, because we love you so much and we trust you so deeply. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Kung Fu is strong. I'll see you Wednesday when we wrap up Jacob and start on Johnson. Take care. Is it over? No, it's never.